This morning, um, I was considering in our teaching time doing the passage from one of the Gospels where we see Christ's entry into Jerusalem as he prepares for what we call the Passion Week. Um, but in thinking about it, I, I wanted to talk about something um, a, a little different. It's certainly connected, and um, we're going to get our source for that teaching this morning from the book of Isaiah, one of the prophets, um, Isaiah chapter 40. It's going to be about halfway through your text. If you're in the Psalms, Isaiah is going to be a little bit after that. It's one of the larger books of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, and we want to talk about this morning God being everlasting. One of the things that is a challenge for us um, as we think about this whole pandemic thing is trusting that there is a future that is the Lord's, that it's God's plan for us, and that the world is going to continue and flourish and grow, even according to his plan and purpose, despite the fact that we're going through an unprecedented season in our culture and certainly in our world in our lifetimes. And for us to think about God being everlasting, and, and I want to get us in the frame of mind of that by talking about time. How many of you out there perhaps felt like March of 2020 was the longest month in the history of your life? Did anyone feel that way? Maybe you saw those things on the internet um, that today is March 84 because it felt so long, right? I mean, March was one of those things where it felt so long because certainly we were entering this, this um, self-quarantine, social isolation time. Um, there were other things going on in the world and it just felt like such a long month. And even now, what are we in? Week three or week four? I think we're in week four now of um, you know, government-mandated stay-at-home policies. And I don't know about you, it feels like, um, like Valentine's Day was last year because time just doesn't move. This is a long season that we're walking through. And certainly, if we're listening to anyone in authority, it's easy to anticipate that this season is going to continue for quite a while yet. Here in this church, I'm not anticipating in the most positive circumstances that we will be gathering physically for worship until Memorial Day weekend at the absolute earliest, but I'm expecting probably more and more mid-June, late June, that we might be able to gather for worship. And the idea of today in April, thinking about June as the end of that time, just seems daunting. It seems like that's going to be forever from now. It's overwhelming. But for us to think about it and say, that's 60 days. That's 60 days. And 60 days, really, in the big scheme of things, isn't that long. Most of us have done 60 days of something in our sleep. But because of the nature of this season and this time, that 60 days feels oh so long. Well, within that, especially us as followers of Jesus, thinking about a God who is eternal and that for him, time doesn't nearly impact or function for him the same way that it does for us. And so for us to be able to say 60 days feels like a long time and for us to hear God's word remind us a day is like a thousand years, a thousand light years is like a day to the Lord. We're living through this pandemic, which feels oh so long to us, within the will and the presence and the love 
of a God who is eternal. And how does that equip us better to navigate this present season? That's what I want to explore together with you from Isaiah chapter 40. It is a long chapter, and so we're going to be doing quite a bit of reading of, of the scriptures, but that's okay. It's always good to read more and more of God's word. And as we enter into our time together before the Lord this morning, let's pray for his blessing and presence. Father, we ask that you come in your everlastingness. Meet us. Meet us as those people who need to be reminded that you have assured us you will never leave us nor forsake us. And never is an idea of time. That means you're, you're always going to be there. You are eternal. No beginning, no end. And for us to have a relationship with you, the everlasting God today, and in this circumstance, Lord, we pray that you then equip us to weather the storm. Be encouraged by who you are. Know that our struggle is real and our challenges can be great at times, but your provision is even greater. Your love is even greater. Your power is even greater for us. And then that we can take great comfort, encouragement, and hope. Meet us this morning. Father, may we know better that you are the everlasting God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're turning in your Bibles again to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to begin reading the first eight verses. And it says this there in God's word. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This passage, this part of the passage should be familiar for some of you. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Now, let's get some context of these words. If you look just previous to this in Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah is interacting with the king of God's people, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is a person who has been blessed by God very much. And in fact, if you read the story right before this, Hezekiah has received envoys from Babylon who have come and uh, said, um, we want to have a relationship with you. We want to have treaties with you. We want to interact as nations. And Hezekiah says, of course, let's do that. But first, let me show you all that Israel has. 
And so he takes them on a tour of all that he has. And if you read the story, you find out really quickly that Hezekiah is living into this idea that all that he has is his comfort. All that he has is his glory. All that he has, and he has much, is really his crown. And God's prophet Isaiah is challenging Hezekiah's idea in the story right before that. And then we get this whole passage. And as we continue to read this passage, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear echoes again of this idea of the grass withers, the flowers fall, and all people are like grass And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. That what we bring as humanity to the world really is very temporary. And especially even as we walk through something like this. Which is for many the biggest thing that has ever happened in their lives. For God it is but a breath. And but a whisper. Now that can challenge us, of course, because then we think, oh, well, God is eternal. Why isn't he caring for us? Keep listening. We're going to continue to walk. How much, though, right now do we need to hear that despite our own circumstances, despite our frailty, despite our weakness, that God is everlasting? I don't know about you. I need that. I need that God is not changing right now because of a pandemic. That COVID has not altered who my God is. I need that. Verses 9 through 17, let's read those. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. Very similar to the idea of Palm Sunday and Christ entering into Jerusalem. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently needs those that have young. In the middle of hearing that God is everlasting, we get this reminder. God is watching over his people. But then we get challenged again, and it says this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales? Or the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all nations are nothing. They are regarded regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. I don't know about you, but to me that's a bit of a depressing text, especially the last part. In essence, it's really saying that these things which for us hold places of power and authority and provision like nations, authorities, those who are supposed to be watching over us even to the point of encouraging us right now towards social isolation and staying at home. 
that those things are just nothing before the eyes of God. That his power is greater, but the things that we can put trust in in this earth don't hold a candle to who God is. And that's one of the challenges for us as followers of Jesus right now, is that because of that idea, there are people in this world who are asking, where is your God? Because although he may say things like, well, nations are worthless and countries are nothing, it seems like then he should be in the one in authority. He should be the one caring for his people. And what happened? Did he take a nap somewhere? Did he miss this? Was he surprised by some bat in Asia that brought a virus to the rest of the world? These are the sorts of questions that people are asking about a God who's supposed to be in control and all-powerful. And they're asking those questions of the church and religious leaders, but they're also asking those questions of people who are following Jesus in their neighborhood and their neighbors, that might be you. And if there are friends or neighbors around you who know you are a follower of Jesus, they may be asking those sorts of questions. How do you put this whole COVID thing in line with your faith in an all-knowing, all-loving God? And see, here's the challenge. We don't have great answers. Our answer is really that God is everlasting, right? That God is love even when it doesn't feel like it. That God is, as we celebrate on Palm Sunday, God is still ruler. God is still king. But it seems like right now, the coronavirus has the upper hand. Where is God in all this? It's interesting even in that, those verses that we just read. If you know anything about scripture, you probably heard echoes of another passage. Anyone want to guess? What other passage sounds like this? Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on a scales? Anyone that sound familiar? Job. You're yelling it out on your, to your television at home right now. It sounds exactly like Job. A person who went through suffering. A person who went through difficulty. And at the end of the conversation, God simply said, who are you? You don't have a place. You weren't there at the beginning of creation. You didn't hold back the snows. You didn't capture the winds. And as followers of Jesus, as we walk through this, we are in many ways staking a claim on a God whose high, ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are greater than our thoughts. But most importantly, his love for his people is real and greater than our love can ever be. I don't get this. I am not, as a theologian, capable of answering the question, what is God doing right now in the coronavirus? But what I can say is that God's ways are bigger than I am and ever will be, not by a little, but by a magnitude of infinity. And if that's the case, then I have to trust that this God who says that he is my shepherd 
And in Palm Sunday reminds us he is my king, that he will continue to watch over me for his people, for the world, for his church. Because that's the kind of God that he is. Let's continue verse 18. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. Then look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. It's quite an image. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. missing. In this passage, God is going back and forth reminding us he is greater than we can ever think of or imagine and within it he is caring for us as his people. And for us to be able to live into that, that despite our transiency, despite the fact that this pandemic is knocking us for a loop and we're not capable of fighting it well except through these things that take literally months to fix something all over the world. In the meantime, thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of people will die. Certainly millions are sick and millions more will become sick. That we in all of that are reminded that despite the fact that there is a brokenness and a sickness in this world, that Christ has come as king to redeem it and is faithful to his promise to continue because he's done that from the beginning. He's eternal and he will continue on that on to the end. And although we may not have the answers for the world right now about what God is doing, we can trust that right now, wherever we are in whatever circumstances, if you are in your home and you have everything taken care of, God is with you. If you are in your car and you don't have enough and you're struggling because you're going to have to, the first of the month came, you can't pay your rent. That God is with you and he is present even in your circumstance because he promised he would be and God always keeps his promises. Always, always, always. Why? Because he's everlasting. And that's where we come to in this final section, my favorite section. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. 
the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. One of those famous passages that we oftentimes proof text in our lives, right? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint for the simple reason that God is everlasting. God, the God of love, never changes. Wait, hold on. He did change. He changed once. And his change was an expression of a deeper love for his people. He changed when he was God in glory, not present in humanity on the earth. Changing that to coming and dwelling among his people and taking his place as the king of all creation in his entrance into Jerusalem saying, I am who you say I am. I am the king. I'm not the one you expect. I'm not the one you think I should be. In fact, I am infinitely greater than the king that you think that you want right now. We want a king who will simply clean up this mess and make all things new and redeem it according to our plan and purpose. But God has much greater things in store for his kingdom. I believe very strongly, very strongly, that God is using this season to renew many of our minds towards him and his love for us. How many of us have a better and more healthy prayer life than we've ever had before? Me. I am praying for you people out there who are part of this community who are not sitting in these pews more and more every day. God is connecting people in new and surprising ways. I've heard of people who long to be together enough that they're using this parking lot as a gathering place where they sit in their cars socially isolated from each other and sit and talk and share life and just want to be present with one another. I know of kids who are looking forward to some sort of play date. If it's on Zoom, they'll take it right now because they long to be in community with those kids and friends that they love. They actually love their teachers and they're realizing it right now because they miss them. And those teachers are loving their kids in new and different ways. And we're looking out for people who are are senior citizens or or weak and, and susceptible to the virus in a new way. We have different eyes than we've had before. And God is doing that in us. And if he just cleans it up according to our plan and our purpose, we miss all of these beautiful, incredible, amazing, and eternal things that he is doing in us because he is the everlasting God and knows way better than the grasshoppers. And in Jesus, we're reminded of that. We're reminded that where there was no way for humanity to clean itself up, God said, I'll do it. And I'll do it through humanity, except the humanity of Jesus. And there was this way that everyone knew ended in death. We all end in death. And God said, I'll take care of it. That place 
of death, which is the end to all of you, is simply a new way unto me and my glory in Jesus Christ. And friends, that's because God is everlasting. He's had that plan from the beginning, and he continues to fulfill it now. The pandemic doesn't surprise him. God was not caught off guard. This was not a, whoo, oops. This was an everlasting God doing what he does over and over again to show his love, encouragement, and presence to his people over and over again. Now, one of the words that we often hear, one of the phrases that we often hear right now when we listen to um, news reports, and by the way, here's my thing, okay? For, for Holy Week, do some fasting. Listen to a news report for 10 minutes a day. Right now, that's all you need. Pick your time. I'm going to say 6 o'clock at night and listen to one news report, and that's all you need to listen to because any more than that just makes you depressed and frustrated and angry and scared. Okay? Listen to just that. But if you listen to it, you'll probably hear say some, someone say this phrase, who knows how long this is going to go on? Because right now, right, everything changed in a day, and yet it continues to seem to change every day, right? I don't make a plan right now for Monday. I make a plan for Sunday at 11 o'clock because that's all I can do right now. It changes. So I'm not looking ahead. I'm not, I'm not on Easter yet because I don't know how this week is going to go. Everything's going to change. Who knows how long this is going to go on? Christ does. And Christ knows what he's doing. And it will go on just as long as God intends to continue to do his work through this situation right now and here. And for us to hear that, be reminded of it, and then live into it. It means this is a place of faith that I can say, no matter what changes this week, because something's going to change. Something's going to change, friends. No matter what changes this week, God knows. God is present. God is redeeming because he's everlasting. He's been doing it since the beginning and he will do it until the end. And God is present in it, redeeming it, and he's doing it as a shepherd who loves his sheep, caring for them. He does it as the king who rules in justice and mercy over his people. God doesn't change. And he knows just how long this is going to go on. And within it, he's going to take glory for himself if we are willing to have eyes to see, not the news reports, if we are willing to have ears to hear, not this, the latest radio update, but instead eyes to see where he is at work redeeming the world and ears to hear the new, thing, new things that he's doing for his glory. Friends, this Easter week, be encouraged that God is everlasting. He is king. And both of those things will always be true. Would you pray with me? Everlasting God, we take great hope, comfort, and encouragement from who you are as our king, who you are as our shepherd, who you are as greater than we can ever think of or imagine. 
Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And within, Lord, your ways and thoughts, we can trust that your plan and your purpose is to redeem. That your plan and purpose is to bring hope and love and peace and healing to a world that so desperately needs it. We trust in that. Lord, may we take hold of your promise to be everlasting today and always. And in that, Lord, may you encourage us, no matter how long this will feel, that in this we can trust your redemption, your transformation of your world is real, and it will continue until you bring it to completion. We bring all these things before your throne as king. In Jesus' name, amen.